This is Decoding Healthcare. I'm Kevin Bam. And I'm John Fox. And today, wait for it, wait for it, we're going to talk about disruption. Disruption. That overused buzzword? <laughs> Definitely an overused buzzword. Okay. Yeah, it is overused, but it's yeah. an important term. It came out of Clay Christensen's groundbreaking work on disruptive innovation in the 1990s, and it's become one of the leading business concepts of the last 20 years. And let's face it, if there's any industry that needs disruption more than others, it's healthcare. More disruption, please. <laughs> Actually, that's Insider Baseball Athena Talk. It's a program we started just about seven years ago with the concept being that we wanted to actually create an ecosystem of entrepreneurs and young, innovative people who would introduce new ideas, new apps, and try to puncture the healthcare bubble that we live in. And in addition to new ideas and apps, what healthcare also needs is new people. Traditionally, and this is starting to change, but traditionally, the C-suite in healthcare came from within healthcare. Right. They grew up from job to job, hospital to hospital, yep. which is great in terms of understanding the unique needs of healthcare, but it's not so great in terms of introducing new ideas and new innovations from the outside. Which is why today's guest is so very interesting. Robert Van Tool is the Chief Innovation Officer at Easter Seals Bay Area. And, you know, his title actually tells you a lot. Like, this is not a guy who's spending his every day managing server installs. He's a Silicon Valley guy, and he has spent most of his career in consumer-facing industries, but recently took the plunge into the perilous but very important waters of healthcare. And what's even more interesting is where he's innovating. It's not what you might think. It's not a premier academic medical institution. It's at a century-old organization, Easter Seals, that offers behavioral health services for children with autism. Uh, named after, Kevin, you'll maybe remember those little Easter Seals, the little postage stamp-sized stickers that they used this to This is the moment on. where I totally pretend I have no idea what you're yeah. talking about, but I do. Yeah, you're, you're right. I'm actually you're old. old enough for that. But when you think about it, you know, it's not as surprising as it sounds. Disruption, by definition, almost needs to come from the fringes. It needs to come from somewhere outside of the norm. And we're seeing that happen more and more. Well, we had a wide-ranging conversation with Robert about the promise of open platforms and APIs, about bringing consumer-grade experiences to both patients and providers. And whether it's finally cool to admit to your Silicon Valley friends that you actually work in healthcare. Let's take a listen. So I hear that, you know, you come from Silicon Valley and you made the transition from pay-by-touch over to healthcare. My first question would have to be, did you have a seizure the first time you saw a doctor holding a pager? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good question. Um, uh, it's a terrible question, but <laughs> wow, you, you came from a place that just thrives on innovation into a place that's not known for it. What was that experience like? You know, one of the things that I enjoy in my work is the variety of environments that uh, I, I've always gone through. And um, in my career at uh, before healthcare, I spent time in financial sector, in the retail sector, in the film industry, in the high tech industry. If you remember Sun Microsystems, um, and so variety and different cultures are very interesting to me, especially when you look at uh, the way that the different industry dynamics and cultures within those industry affect innovation. 
So I wasn't as surprised as you may, 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 may think that the healthcare industry was a different culture, a different, um, uh, different um, uh, way of innovating. Was there anything that really surprised you about coming into healthcare when you first started that kind of shattered your stereotypes or challenges that you faced initially that you didn't foresee? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you come in with a certain level of understanding of where healthcare is, but once you actually hit the ground, you start to understand what that really means. And one of the things that I was surprised, or at least uh, what was a big revelation, was one, things that are kind of taken for granted within either Silicon Valley or high-tech industries, retail, finance industries, are making its way into healthcare. And um, nothing that you really, you can't assume anything. So, and if I say, for example, let's put a scrum team together and let's do some agile um, work here and do sprints, that's language that completely was new to the industry here, at least from where I came from and where, where I started to work on. So the language was very different. I think the concepts of technology as an business transformation tool and being a very strategic uh, business transformation tool didn't really live within the organization yet until we started talking about what are we um, looking at doing here? Are we just um, you know, enabling uh, current business with technology or are we going to innovate and transform the business so that we can actually grow and be sustainable for the long term and uh, really look at how we can disrupt, let's say, this industry that we're in. And in terms of Easter Seals Bay Area, what was it at the moment when you joined where they said, we need this chief innovation officer role? I assume that was a new role for them at the time. What was the precipitating factor behind bringing you in and pivoting in this way toward kind of consumer-facing innovation? One is the role didn't exist, so I didn't come in as chief innovation officer. I came in as, can you please help me understand a couple of these technology contracts that we're about to sign and help us through the thinking of what we really need versus what we're being told we need by vendors. And that was the start of a discussion around, so what are we really trying to do here? And um, I think the background on this is that in 2012, there was a, a law passed here in California that required all commercial insurance to cover autism services. And with that came a huge surge in number of cases um, that um, needed these services that Easter Seals then signed up with. And we have a large commercial payer here um, uh, that uh, we partnered with that said, okay, I'm going to work with Easter Seals to do all of our cases that are related to autism and autism spectrum disorder diagnoses. And that became the driver for this huge surge in volumes of cases that needed to be addressed. So if you think about a nonprofit organization uh, not used to, for example, medical billing and claims and uh, customer cycles or patient care cycles, um, needing to scale up from, back then we, I think we were about a $6 million affiliate, 
serving a couple of hundred clients annually to now being about 66,000 clients and we're going to be a fairly uh, significant uh, revenue in, in terms of revenue size. So a 30x growth that was enabled through technology and really enabling that company to grow in a way where we could satisfy the demand for these cases. So you come in and you're charged with figuring out the systems needed to scale um, very rapidly. Most of healthcare is still in this thrall of single system software installations and Mm -hmm. trying to get every patient and provider onto that system. You obviously ended up taking a very different tack. What was your philosophy coming into this and why did you go the route that you ended up going? Part of the the journey starts with uh, coming in and and really putting in base level infrastructure and having that green field and saying, okay, so what what do we want to look like going forward? And one of the things that drove some of these decisions on technology and uh, openness of systems was just the experience of knowing that you don't know what you will need going forward or you may not know exactly what you need so you will never want to have either the system or vendor lock-in that um, you would potentially get if you go with you know one system for all type of approach one of the business strategy drivers that uh, really drove decisions towards you know the, the combination of systems that we have now is the ability, for example, to not just be a provider but also a network manager. So the business grew from you know, being a provider of services, health services for the clients that we have in the Bay Area to becoming also a network manager that really is a different capability than just providing services. So that led us to really look at what is the best combination of best-of-breed cloud-based systems with open systems with APIs that could give us the flexibility as we needed to build new functionality or scale to levels that we may not know about back in 2012. And a lot of the various components that we've built in the the systems have been built with that premise in mind. We didn't know exactly where we were heading in terms of the capabilities, but we knew we were going to build a big network and we needed to manage that network. At the same time, we have providers that are providing services and we need a mobile workforce that is enabled to be as efficient as possible with the right capabilities from a logistics perspective, business operations perspective, but also from a clinical perspective so that they can spend the most time with the client as possible for ultimately highest outcomes, highest quality of outcomes. You know, we talk a lot about really empowering the patients. And in healthcare, we tend to focus really a lot on the providers. What are Mm -hmm. you guys doing to really put tools into the hands of patients to empower them to get the best outcomes and to be their best advocates? Yeah, it's a very good question because this is our um, our next wave or next generation of products that we're building is really focused on the consumer, the families, um, because we see them as an integral part in the quality of care of the client. Um, a lot of our clients are obviously underage, they're, um, they're children, they're, uh, they're teenagers, and they have a guardian or they have a caretaker. And the care team expands far beyond um, just the providers. They 
interact with all the various folks within the home and delivering products that are tailored towards them, not just to be able to look up their appointment and pay their bill, which is the traditional, I would call it, more logistical business operations of the the service, but really have them participate in the care cycle so that when, for example, a practitioner goes to the home and they have a session with the client, they have the ability to now interact after they leave the home with the, the, the parent or the caretaker to continue some of the data collection or some of the instructions that are necessary to continue to have the child progress even faster or better than when we were uh, than we were only there, right? So we're looking at building products right now where the client can actually um, participate in the care cycle while the while the, uh, the the practitioner is not in the home anymore. Now that is all then integrated into our treatment plan management platform in the back end to be able to uh, con- and ingest that data, make sense of it, and um, really start looking at data that can then drive better treatment plans as they uh, collect more data from the parents as well as from the practitioners that go to the home. So, Robert, I have to put you on the spot in decoding healthcare fashion. I was recently at Hims, and I happen to notice that everybody at Hims seems to have a platform now. I don't know if you saw that, Kevin, but it's all about platform yeah. and AI. AI. I have a platform with everybody AI. Everybody has AI. Did okay. you yeah. did you yeah. see everybody has blockchain too? And blockchain, <laughs> of course. So I'm guessing that not everybody who claimed to have a platform has a platform. I suspect that they have very good marketing teams who've put them up to it. But how would you define this idea of a platform? It's it's obviously, you know, one of the buzzwords of, of our current times, especially yeah. in health IT. Yeah, I, I think about platform as uh, what part of platform are you really talking about? And it, it really depends on what who the audience is and what you're looking for because, you know, there's infrastructure as a platform. There is... Um, products as a platform, there is, um, you know, various levels of understanding of what really people mean. Is it a pure platform like AWS? Is that what we're talking about? Or is it more of the sales forces and the Athenas that have specific functionality built into their platforms in their cloud, but again, integrate to other platforms? And, and it really becomes a matter of what domain are you looking at? But In general, I mean, for me, it is about what are the best of breeds for the functionality or the capabilities that you're looking for, and then find the right integration methods to be able to make it all work together. How in this picture do you get around the interoperability barriers, or how are you facing that problem head on? When do we decide that interoperability failed? When do we just throw in the towel? I'm, I'm putting this to John and to you, Robert. When do yeah. we just decide that this thing didn't work? Let's stop it. And let's do something like putting it into the hands of the patient. Instead of the health system or the hospital or mm-hmm. the provider being the source of truth, why can't the patient be the source of truth? Is that a crazy thought? No, I don't think it's a crazy thought as, uh, at all. I think um, if I look at it from a patient perspective, I think that's the missing link. You know, if there's no incentive for interoperability beyond 
you know, if I'm forced to, I will open up and give you access to the data, but only the minimum amount and only when I when you ask me. It really becomes a a big challenge of the from an incentive perspective. The patient here is the I would call it the X factor that it still is not enabled yet to really participate in that care cycle especially across different providers and hasn't forced the industry yet to become interoperable where they are fully in um, participating in that care cycle. As soon as that starts to happen, then we'll have different dynamics, I believe, in terms of, well, if I start losing my customer because I'm not on, for example, a health kit and I haven't been able to open up my EHR to have the customer, the patient, download into HealthKit the patient record because I'm not integrated yet with HealthKit, then I may actually not want the provide, you know, the, the actual services from that provider. It, I think it's going to start becoming become a criteria for people selecting their healthcare providers at a certain point. I mean, that's it, right? Like the moment when the consumer, the patient, Oh, did I say consumer? Is that bad, right? But like the right. moment they say enough, either you get on this platform that I want to be on or I'm going to find someone who will. Like that exactly. is a moment that is going to really change the way people think. And it's coming. Exactly. It's coming. Yeah. We talk about the millennials. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking across right now with two of them. And they yeah. are going to change this whole thing yeah. because they're not going to take no for an answer. Exactly. They're going to be like, okay, I'll just go find someone who will. Let's talk about the provider too because – Providers are people too. Last yeah. time I checked, I am still. I'm, I well, can not, be provocative, but I still <laughs> I'm still a provider. So, all right, I'm busted. And and they are also expecting these consumer grade experiences because they are using these apps and services in every other facet of their life, and then they yeah. walk into the clinic, and it's like going back in time. I tell you, I have that experience all the time, and it's almost like, oh well, okay, this is what we have to do. Why? Right? Yeah. Like, why can't it be better? Let's make it better. Yeah. And I think it's when providers, when patients, when people like Robert in positions of power where they can innovate within an organization say it must be this way that we'll actually see some change. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of talk right now um, about all sorts of untraditional players getting into healthcare. You, you'd understand why they want to. It's a place that's so important and it's a place that needs. Uh, disruption for sure. Right. You know, I'm talking about Apple's health kit. You mentioned that earlier. Google Cloud, not to mention J.P. Morgan and Amazon, and the list goes on. What type of impact do you think that they will have? Where, where are they going to strike, and and what type of outcomes do you think we can get from from those types of interventions? Um, it's um, a difficult question. Obviously, it's uh, difficult to predict some of these things. Um, but I think health kit um, is one that I'm particularly keeping a very close eye on because of the point about what we mentioned, when the consumer gets to a point where they start driving and demanding some of these changes, the industry will need to have an answer for that. And I'm looking at HealthKit and seeing the uh, innovation and changes that are already being built in, for example, the integration with wellness apps and mindfulness apps and sleeping patterns, the consolidation of, you know, I can connect HealthKit to any EHR that allows me, and I'm seeing the list of hospitals and health systems that are now listed in HealthKit continually growing. 
I think that is a big um, potential driver for change in the industry because the consumer will drive that once they have that power in their hand that will say, you know, I want to own my medical information, I want to be able to track it, and as a consumer, as a patient, I'm doing this already by, you know, by integrating it with my Strava app for my cycling and my wellness app for my mindfulness practice. So that is, I think, a big driver. The whole Amazon, JP Morgan, uh, is very interesting because it's obviously very, uh, anytime uh, an Amazon makes a move into an industry, you got to start looking at and paying attention. I'm not sure yet how how they're going to do it, but I think that's a more of a employer um, benefits play where they're going to start negotiating and looking at how can we leverage the sizes that we have and the the, the marketplaces that we have to uh, drive down cost. And, um, you know, and then there's the providers that have technology that could span horizontal workflows um, that can be enabled on those cloud platforms. Um, and that, w- that would be another way to look at it in my mind is to say, so if you were a pure play provider, can you disrupt the industry by putting workflows that are traditionally in um, done diff- you know in, in ways where they're too locked they're not open enough or they're not scalable enough and you can do it in a way where you can leverage then platforms um, that get you to market much quicker than if you would have to build everything from scratch so it's it's really a matter of which players are out there trying to disrupt parts of the care cycle and how would they um how would they leverage a platform or you know a solution that is out there so is it like cool to be in healthcare now out in silicon valley like is that is that like a thing like i think for the longest time being in health IT was not where the cool kids were. It was were. kind of frumpy, like <laughs> comfortable <laughs> shoes type of thing. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I really don't know if I'm cool or not or if we're cool or not, but I think it's cool because the work that we do. And I think that's part of um, bringing some of this this innovation or technology or even concepts that um, we we've been practicing for many years in other industries um, bring that to healthcare because it is a different type of impact that you're making, and I think that is very cool. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> you know, it's going to be either because um, millennials who will change this world, or folks who have done well and said, "Now I actually want to do good." You know, maybe that's what will be the impetus for them to go into healthcare. But boy, do we need it, right? We need people like Robert who come with a different mindset and skill set and are willing to talk about scrum teams and agile and all things that I had no idea what they were before I got into technology. But it's that synergy, I think, that really needs to happen between the folks that understand the technology and the people that understand the problems. And that's the patient, too, that needs to be solved and then coming together and, and, and trying to figure this thing out. Yeah. I agree, and um, it's very exciting to be able to work with our clinicians and our practitioners and really understand their world. And it's an amazing world that that has a huge opportunity for um, improvement and efficiencies and effectiveness of care. You know, you talk about precision medicine a lot. Uh, you hear about that a lot. Well, it, it's not just in 
the actual medicine, but also in behavior health and mental health, where you need precision medicine type of concepts. And the same concepts may apply if you can do that and augment that with the tools that we have available um, in technology and in our, and in other industries. And that's one of the things that is ex- most exciting is that you know we're not just building space rockets to go to Mars with technology. We're actually doing things here on Earth <laughs> that that is going to impact society. And wait, wait, we, you're not a fan of the moonshot? Shouldn't we be oh. trying to cure cancer here? What are we doing? <laughs> I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. Believe me, I, I'm in his backyard. I see Teslas are all over. It's amazing to me the amount of technology know-how and advancement they can make. And if we can build a rocket that can shoot to Mars, we should be able to build tools and products and really help society get better and do healthcare in a way where it makes sense and uh, do it more uh, efficiently. Decoding Healthcare is a production of Athena Health. Our producer is Nikki Zace. Our engineer, composer, and all-around Mike of all trades is Mike Moschetto. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Athena Health. I'm Kevin Bam. And I'm John Fox. 